0: Thank you for joining us for Opportunity Makers. Notch was founded by two immigrants, and ahead of National Immigrants Day, we wanted to showcase and profile storytellers and leaders across different sectors and industries to prove that immigrants, by and large, are opportunity makers, not opportunity takers. So excited to share the stage with Vinit Mehra, who is the Global Chief Marketing and Customer Officer at Walgreens Boots Alliance. Vineet is a true global business leader, having lived in and led diverse teams across North America, Europe, Asia, and South America. His global career has had him in multi-billion dollar organizations across a range of industries. Super excited to hear your story today.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Anda, and we're back with the Opportunity Maker series. I'm here with the one and only Venet who um, I met actually earlier this year at CES. I still can't believe that we met in person in Vegas. This seems like millennia ago and probably another few millennia until we get back there. Um, But over the course of the last few months, I've gotten to know Vinit a little bit as an innovator, as a marketer, as a business thinker, as a strategist, um, and then most recently as a fellow immigrant. And so I wanted to have a conversation with Vinit today um, about his story and to hear how he managed to kind of make his way in the U.S. and create a lot of opportunity for others as well. So welcome, Vinit.
2: Thanks, and uh, good to be here. An important topic. So, uh, you know, I hope uh, this adds value to, uh, to people's lives and connects them to their own story in some ways as well. So look forward to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the election's coming up, uh, National Immigrants Day is a few days before the election, and we wanted to just share some of these stories with people, not because we had any agenda, but because we just wanted to say, hey, look at these amazing immigrants who have actually managed to create a lot of opportunity for others here in the US. But before we get into that, I wanna start with a really simple question, which is what's, I I think the right question is not just what's your coming to America story, but what's your family's coming to Canada story? Um, if you can loop us in on all of that, that'd be great.
2: Yeah, sure. I'll tell you a little bit about the story. I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit more of a India to Canada to U.S. as an adult sort of story. Um, so, so the story is, you know, I think that of many um, sort of uh, immigrants, at least from from India, which is, you know, I was born in New Delhi, and um, you know, I my. I had the classic kind of area where my father was working there, my mom was working, and I was very much raised by my grandmother um, over the first few years of my life. So, you know, now that I have a seven-year-old, I kind of understand what it means to be two and three and what what developments happening at that stage in your life. And uh, I can tell you that knowing now what I've seen my son, those two or three years of life deeply shaped me. I mean, I still speak in the completely fluently. Um, you know, that's the only way I can speak to a lot of my relatives abroad. And, you know, I guess that age is when a lot of values and first experiences are happening and they really start to shape you. So, um, that was the first couple of years of my life. And then my parents, um, frankly, they, they thought ahead and said, we want to run a life for our son. That's different than the one we have here in India. And so, you know, they made the choice, the really hard decision where they kind of, one day literally just picked up and left and came to Canada. Um, I have pictures that have documented this and it's literally my mom holding me in one hand. They had like two tiny little suitcases and you know, basically dropped everything. No, you know, educational degrees were no longer relevant um, when you moved to Canada. My dad had to redo some of his education. My mom actually ended up never going back to work. And I still have like these like three-year-old memories of like where we, that little apartment where we first lived in a town called Kingston, Ontario. Um, And uh, I mean, it was just, you know, it was uh, pretty simple housing in a pretty small town in Canada. You know, my parents had never even seen snow before. And here we are in the snow belt of Canada. And uh, that's sort of the first, uh, that's sort of the first part of the journey is just the courage to... Um, pick up, move with a kid, um, and all for frankly all for my sake, and then eventually my brother who was born after me. So it's a pretty pretty courageous story.
1: Can you imagine doing that today with with your son? You know,
2: you look back and you just go, I don't know if I'd have the courage to do that. You know, um, I guess in the end you would do anything for your family, but uh, to to make that call you know, and literally start with zero again. I mean, man, that I have, I have deep respect for my, my family in that front, and it's, yeah.
1: To give up all ties. I mean, obviously, you talk to these people on the phone, but you give up your world. Everything you think you know about how the world works, you leave behind. You go to a place where there's just a lot of snow. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy, by the way. Yeah.
2: A lot of snow. You have, your education doesn't count. You have no friends, no money, and no network or connections, right? To get ahead, and you know that's the that's the whole that's the whole idea, and that's a story of so many people, right, across um, Canada, but also the U.S., where, where, where Canada and the U.S. are both countries of immigrants, and pretty much every story um, is one like that. Um, and uh, you know, you gotta you gotta respect those folks that made those decisions for, for sure.
1: There's a lot I have a lot of relatives in Canada because the the Romanians you know especially during the communist times when it got really really bad and there was famine they they a lot of them left and same thing I mean they they were refugees um it's very similar to being i guess a refugee today you really have nothing no stature no safety net no nothing yeah so um do you think you know kind of looking back at your parents decision you are this you know an extremely successful executive and one of the biggest companies in the us i mean crazy right for your parents to have left everything behind to have no safety net and for you to to be where you are in still a very early point of your career um i mean that says a lot about you but i think it also says a lot about your parents
2: yeah you know um i guess i guess a couple of things one from my parents perspective you know being first generation indian i'm not a doctor or an engineer so i definitely have not hit the mark you know and i (laughs) and i like had a music kind of degree in university and you know i definitely have not hit the mark just 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 to be clear Um, hilarious (laughs) but 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 you know I, i at the end of the day i know they're they're sort of they're they're proud of me maybe um more about the work ethic. Because I think when you grow up seeing parents in that situation, you just see them fighting for every single thing they have. And I think that it's that fight that I think those first-generation immigrant parents teach you. Um, like, my man, my dad hustled, right? Um, my mom just, you know, to make a play date for me when I was five, right, with like, you know, she was the only, you know, minority mom in a classroom uh, just even that's hard, you know? And I think about just trying to create a play date in the new town we moved to here in the suburbs of Chicago. And I'm like, my mom had it 10 times as worse, you know, with us as our kids. So I think it's just, it's really shaped us, right? I mean, I think it's it's that it's that, it's that that grit, it's that sort of, that fight you have in you and it's that sort of ambition you have to sort of be guided by your own North um, and really make things happen. So it's definitely a big part of uh of where, where my energy comes from.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, across the board, whether it's first generation or second generation, there's exactly what you said, this grit and hustle. And I think the people use the word hustle a lot, especially in Silicon Valley. And I remember when I first got there as an immigrant myself and um, the definition of hustle in Silicon Valley is not the definition of hustle we're discussing here. Like this is literally hustle for everything. Hustle to put bread on the table, hustle to be able to even communicate I mean, I remember like I spoke really bad English and I, I'd have to sleep for 10 to 12 hours because my brain was so tired from trying to translate in real time and express myself and like not and failing at it. It's it's just it's a complexity to a very, very different degree. So um yeah, a lot of respect for your parents. Also, what is it about all immigrant parents who want their kids to be doctors and, and engineers? Because that's it's the same thing in Romania as well. I think Eastern Europe, India. Um, Russia, like, I think a lot of the world, they, they respect those, those kind of lawyer, but it kind of goes like doctor right at the top. Then it's like maybe engineer and then lawyer.
2: Yeah. And and trust me, marketers nowhere on that list. Um, You know, I've, I've studied, I've really thought a lot about this. Actually, when I was first starting on my career I asked PNG to send me on an international assignment. They sent me to India. So I was actually living in um, Mumbai for, um, for an assignment um, early in my career because I wanted to explore, like, you know, why? Like what's what's going on with that question. And what I realized very quickly is that, you know, it it comes from a simple notion, at least I can speak to in my family since I can't speak to all of them, which is. You know, I went to India, I'm like still, I'm like the least educated person on my team, right? Like I have a four-year undergraduate degree from an average university in Canada. And and and, uh, yeah, and and business and music. And, and, you know, it's sort of like um, what I realized when I went to India, you know, there's a billion people in that country. And so to create like a filtering mechanism of like who can actually make it. It's like you need a degree, then you need another degree, then you need another degree. It's like this, like um, funnel, and you know it weeds out, you know, folks, um, which I don't think is always fair because you and I both know that potential is equally distributed, opportunity is not, and those that have opportunity seem to have just te- have the have the kind of privilege of having more space, maybe to pursue more education and things like that, not in all cases, but in many cases. So folks that were, that had my degree when I went to India and was working at PNG there, I mean, they were gonna be lifelong kind of sales reps. Now that's a very mm-hmm. good job in India. You know, you're gonna be fine, but that's mm-hmm. not kind of, that's not gonna buy you a freestanding home in New Delhi, you know, with two cars, you know, the, the life that all parents want for their kids. So what I realized is, when when my when immigrant parents leave the place they came from, time kind of freezes, right? Like that is India still for them. And so when you come yeah. to Canada, you know that's the system and the constructs that they understand. And I only got an appreciation of that much later in life as an adult. And uh, you know it took a lot of um, you know, self-discovery and reflection to understand those like 20 plus years of like, you know, why did you only Green. get 90% on a report card? Where's the other 10%? Now I realize yeah. it because we got a billion people in a country. There's only one way you cut through and that's education, which is enabled by, you know, great performance in school and that leads to better things. So I think there's a little bit of that in there and it took me a, a while and really to become an adult and live in India to figure that out
1: that's that's a very interesting point, and I'm sort of re- reflecting on why that is true in smaller countries as well and I think there's something to do with um with survival to some extent or or prosperity i think that the communism kind of did something similar where it made everyone equal except for the people who were doctors engineers, or lawyers um and so it was really interesting to to see my parents. Uh, you know, when I told them I, I got into Stanford, um, my dad was so disappointed. I mean, it was obvious I had failed him because um, the plan was to marry a doctor and be a doctor. <laughs> and so it's it's just it's interesting that we have to be that transitional generation that essentially takes them along the journey of what this new world looks yeah. like. And I wonder, I guess, what what is our baggage that we bring to to this world? So I guess on that point uh you said that time froze for your parents right did, did time freeze for you when you came over from Canada like do you go back and are surprised that things are different in Canada
0: well
2: you know I, I'm back and forth between Canada so much that what happened to my parents they left and didn't go back for like a decade right so yeah. I think that's the difference and honestly for your listeners and for those others that are Indian I mean India's like a very progressive country in certain kind of classes of society. And I mean, you go to like Bangalore, you go to Mumbai. I mean, they have the best like mixology bars and like, you know, Naples, pisaiolos and like, you know, culture out there. Um, but it's, uh, but you know, that wasn't there when they left. And so, yeah. you know, one thing I discovered and that was the contrast I saw because I went to Mumbai and I was like, yeah, huh, this place is like yeah. happening. It's like, this is not what my parents told me India was like. Um, yeah. And then I went back and I, and I went there and I was like, that was that contradiction that I experienced. But for me, Canada, you know, it's a very different thing because I, you know, I'm back and forth. So I've kind of experienced the change um, in real time. And I think that's what allows you to not have a freeze, if you, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, for sure. So so in terms of your identity you know what? What are you? Are you American? Are you Canadian? Are you Indian?
2: I would say I'm an Indian Canadian living in America. That's what I am. I think. Um, you know, and I also have a very diverse family, as as you know. I mean, my, my all three of us. We have a three three of us in our family. All we're all born in different countries. So I was born in India. My wife was born in the Philippines. My son was born in Switzerland. So you know, we're kind of like this. Like mix mash of like people so more and more my identity is you know also now merging into this very diverse kind of family unit that we also have um in our home so uh yeah it's uh yeah but if at the very core um i'm i'm indian canadian living in america that's pretty much how i d- identify myself
1: i got asked this question um a few weeks ago and it's partially why i wanted to start the series because um someone asked me about my identity i said i'm i'm transylvanian you know because i you know it's romania but i feel transylvanian um and i said a transylvanian living in america and they said well isn't that what the definition of being american is is you know you, you you live in america but you bring this diverse set of perspectives, Uh, you know, this country was built with immigrants, so it kind of gave me pause and I started thinking, you know, what, what does it really mean? Um, uh, You know, we are living here and we are creating jobs for Americans and so on and so forth. And at which point, I guess, will it, will we say that we are American?
2: Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess, you know, for me, at least I'm still a green card holder here, right? So I'm not even a citizen at this stage. So I guess citizenship maybe that's the point I mean I don't know I, i'll we should have another one of these conversations when i'm when I'm there I, I feel very- pl- privileged to be in America. I mean, I'm sure you do as well it's uh it's a country of so much opportunity and um you know ambition and uh you know i I feel very fortunate that uh, I'm here, but I definitely can't vote, and I definitely am only a green card holder so um that's uh that's that's where I'm at right now, I guess. But uh, feel privileged to have lived both on on both coasts, as well as now here in the middle of the country in Chicago. So it's uh, it's been a great experience.
1: Uh, I I'm a visa holder. I'm not even a green card holder. So I'm I'm submitting my my paperwork um, as we speak. Um, and it's kind of strange to have spent most of my actually all of my adult life here and identify with so many of the the values and. Uh, the incredible opportunity that this country presents, um, but not not have that last part of of, of the identity be there. Um, switching gears a little bit, I'm curious as as you went through your own journey because you got there you got to Canada when you were when you were a kid. Um, what what were some of the biggest challenges um, to to kind of adapt? And I don't know if you remember because you were obviously really young, but How was it for you to to look around and realize that you were different?
2: Yeah, you know, um, it was definitely, my life was sort of, I almost lived in two worlds, right, as I was growing up. I'd go home into this, like, hardcore kind of Indian, sort of home with Indian values. And I'd have to do, like, Indian, like, prayers and, uh, you know, go through all the Indian kind of festivals and things like that. And then outside of the home, right, I have to figure out a way then to, like, fit into the local culture. And I I didn't just grow up anywhere in Canada. I grew up in a town called Oshawa, frequently known as the Schwa. And it's basically a very blue-collar General Motors town. It's like the Detroit of of Canada. And, um, you know, so figuring out, like, when you go home and you're expected to be a certain way... And then you go out and then there's peer pressure and all the things you got to figure out in that way. At least for me, that was really difficult. And I had the added pressures. I'm the oldest kid in the entire family, cousins, first all first cousins included. So basically in classic Indian culture, like all eyes were on me, right? Like I was the first one to have a girlfriend. I was the first one to have a drink. I was the first one to, you know, I don't know, get my driver's license, right? And so all those things were just like, I almost had to like, I had to break the kind of cultural mold on pretty much everything. And then my brother, who's two years younger than me, who is a doctor, a surgeon, um, so he's the real deal. Um, But he like had a very different fight. You know, I married a non Indian girl as my wife, you know, which I'm very thankful for. But that was something. Right. So you just go on and on and on. It was like every milestone was a battle, which was very normal outside of the house because I wasn't like a bad kid. Like I wasn't trying to like do anything horrible. I was just trying to do things that all my friends were doing. Um, And then I'd go home and it was like, man, I got to fight for that, like normality in a way. So that was a really that was basically the story of my life with all the ups and downs that kind of come with it, you know.
1: You know, One of my cousins said to me about like a few years after I, I left, she said, you're like a chameleon, like you could just become someone else. And, and I think she meant it in a negative way, but <laughs> I, I almost wanted to say that like, this is what it takes to kind of survive, right? You just have to assimilate to, to very different circumstances on a very fast basis. So I'm curious, how, that, that's one of the difficulties, but I guess if you flip to like, how does that become a strength? Um, how do you think that, and maybe other, other kind of friction areas of of being an immigrant have helped from a professional standpoint?
2: Yeah, look, um, I think it's that idea of similar, what you said about the chameleon thing. I mean, my wife, we've lived in 14 houses in the last 10 years, three continents, like five countries, you know, maybe seven or eight cities. And so it's like, we are just adaptable and adjustable, you know, you know, you I've lived in Singapore, Switzerland, India, Canada, New York, San Francisco, you know, all over the world and, um, you know, worked in different brands in different countries, you know. um, And I do think that because from a young age, you're forced to sort of kind of go left or right and adapt to whoever you were dealing with. um, I think that that sort of ability to adapt is something that I do uh, credit to, you know, just that kind of dual life I lived when I was, when I was a kid. I I think, you know, moving, uh, also going forward from that is things like being able to, you know, you had to figure out how to fit in, right? It never came easily. Um, And I'd say the third thing is I'm very much guided by my own North, right? I mean, you know, I had to, I I did become a doctor, right? Because I was strong-minded and strong-willed about what I love doing. And uh, I think that that also, um, you know, allows me to kind of, to some degree, while you have to learn how to fit in, I kind of tried my best to fit in on my own terms, if that makes sense. I wasn't trying to change who I was. And I think in some ways having to be the first in a immigrant family to have to pioneer every uh, kind of basic thing, like having a girlfriend, um, was like... um, you know, I think I think it just forces you to march to the beat of your own drum to some degree because you have to, because if you let everyone around you is constantly judging you, people outside of your home don't think you fit in, people in your home are like, you don't fit in. It's like, you kind of have to have a north that, um, that guides you. And I also credit, you know, a little bit of that, um, which sometimes gets me in trouble. Um, but uh, whatever, uh, I am who I am,
1: and uh, I just keep going. But I think it's so fascinating what you what you say, you know, because your parents left India to search for a certain type of freedom, and you had to search for a different type of freedom, you know, like a personal freedom. Um, and you did that by asserting yourself. But I'm curious, like, I, it's you seem like a really introspective person, so I'm not afraid to ask you this question. But if you don't have an answer to it, no worry about it. Um, I'm curious, like what, what gave you the courage? Like how, how did you, what was your playbook for asserting yourself? Because by the way, like I have dealt with so much of the same thing. And I think when, when you're the child of immigrants, um, or if you're an immigrant yourself, like you, you typically deal with a really strong set of parents who have a very clear idea of what you need to do in life. Yeah. So how, how did you do that? Um,
2: you know, through a lot of, uh, I don't think there's a, a, a playbook other than there's an irony in it, which is in some ways, whether he knew it or not, my dad had to do that also. And I watched him doing that, right? And in many ways, he had to find his own north in a country where no one knew him. My mom had to do the same thing. So the irony of it is, while they wanted me to maybe conform to the world that they knew, then outside the house, I had to conform world that I was in, um, very much my role models, right, as there are for any kids, are your parents. And I think they did the same thing, which I think they now sort of see and realize, right, we all grow and relationships change. But I, you know, there was lots of ups and downs and downs, right? There was like months where my parents wouldn't talk to me because I like did something as simple as drop physics in grade 12, you know? Um, which is a true story. Um, So, you know, you just, you know, when those things happen, you just got to be like, you know, I'm guided. But the irony is it's actually my parents' guidance with their own north, which is actually what moved them to the country in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. That sort of, I think, actually ended up in me that ended up coming out in a local way. So I think that's where it's sort of all, it's actually all connected. You know what I mean? It's actually the same behavior.
1: You followed their example, not their advice.
2: Yeah, I guess that's that's the way. I, I followed their example, not their advice. That's a good way to to put it. And ultimately, it's that example that I think has uh, really done me well. And I'm very thankful for that to, uh, to my family.
1: 100%. So um, my parents are both entrepreneurs. And the number one thing I heard was to not become an entrepreneur. Like, no matter what, just don't do it. It's not going to work. It's painful. Now I understand it is very painful indeed. But I also, you know, just love and feel like I was made for this because they were both entrepreneurs and I grew up seeing them do it. So a very, you know, I totally identify with, you know, what's what you so said.
2: funny, um, my son, um, and you will tell if you're if you meet him, I tell him this all the time. The grass is always greener, right? So I tell my son all the time, like, if I put him to bed, or I'm late at night with them or just out with them, I go, don't work for the man. I tell him that <laughs> all the time. So, you know, uh, you know, I think we all want something for our kids that's that's different. I do think I've taken a very different tack than my parents. I mean, I have tried to kind of have have a different kind of more flexible mindset with them, because I think what my parents did for me served me really well. And I think what's going to serve my son well is going to be a different model, because I think we're moving into this world of flexibility and agility and being able to think in really creative ways to solve problems and, uh, it's, um, you know, you try to, and to do that, you have to have your own mind to some degree, right? You can't be too conformist. And so, but it's it's really funny. I now tell my son, uh, don't work for the man. So kind of doing the opposite of your parents.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Cause I'm assuming if your son truly follows your example versus your advice, then <laughs> he will basically just do whatever he wants.
2: Yeah. I, uh, you know what? I hope he does that. I really, I really do. I hope he, I hope he optimizes for uh, happiness um, and uh, nothing else. So it's all I really wish for him.
1: That's awesome. Well, let me ask you one of my final questions, which is really to, to give some advice to to those of us who are um, immigrants to the US. Um, you know, there's people, I, I feel like I've done a, I, I have less of an accent now. So, so in a way I feel like I'm succeeding more and more in assimilating, but, What's your advice to sort of, you know, quote unquote, make it in the U.S. as an immigrant?
2: You know, I think the first thing is um, own it and celebrate, you know, what the whole immigrant experience has done for you. You know, I, uh, you know, like, don't, 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 don't like change your name. I remember my mom still like my mom, you know, people would butcher my name and I would come home and she'd be like, I gave you that name. Don't you ever forget that's your name. And what she was really teaching me was own it, right? Like, own who you are, own where you come from, own the set of experiences that make it. I think the quicker you get to the place of like, you know, owning all that you are, whether and those are the challenges and the opportunities that come from being, you know, immigrants or that's first or second generation. Um, I think you can get on with the job of like really kind of, you know, leveraging that um, to your advantage, but I think it's a huge advantage, um, and something that, um, has really driven me well. So the first thing I'd say is just like own it, accept it, and celebrate it more than anything. I think second is, um, you know, I bring your, bring your culture into your community. You know, I'll never forget, we moved into a, a town here in Chicago and, you know, like let's just say it's not very diverse. Um, and I'll never forget um, my first November here, we we didn't know anyone. And I just sent out an email to a bunch of parents in my son's school and like, we're hosting a Diwali party. Within three days, like 80 or 90 people showed up to our house pre-COVID and we held a Diwali party. And, you know, it was just, I, we almost saw ourselves like, can we, Instead of holding ourselves up, can we actually bring our community into our culture? And I think that's the second thing is I do think you know we have to assume positive intent and I think the vast majority of people do want to celebrate differences and culture. I really do believe that I guess I'm an optimist on that front. And so you know share your community and your culture with others. I think it really Helps you connect, and it also helps others connect and uh, gain uh, perspective and uh, appreciation for what makes us different. Um, and I think the third piece is uh, really around, um, you know, uh, celebrate your 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 parents and the decisions they made because you can lose sight of that sometimes, right? I know I certainly. Um, did for many many years and um, today I'm super grateful and thankful and um, you know I think that 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 gratitude um, gives you perspective and uh, I know those are like kind of cheesy three-pronged answer but um, you know I think you have to come to acceptance on those things and celebrate it and I think the rest will take care of itself if you get there.
1: I'm already thinking to myself, what's the Diwali equivalent for Transylvanian culture? I'm not sure we have something as fun. So I need to come up with well, when something. when you good. come when
2: you have a party post-COVID, I'm there. So uh we'll uh yeah. we'll celebrate Transylvanian culture together.
1: Great. love that. I love that. Well, Vanid, this that's just a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much for sharing your story and the advice. Uh I feel just so much more encouraged and empowered listening to you. So I hope that all the listeners feel the same. So thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me. And thanks for doing this important work. I appreciate it. Join us again next time for another episode of Opportunity Makers, where we profile top immigrants, showcasing that they are opportunity makers, not opportunity takers.